Welcome to Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. My name is Father Yuri Gladio, and I'm an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey holds a doctorate in liturgical theology and is the co-director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto. And we're back for another episode of Enacting the Kingdom with Father Jeffrey and me, Father Yuri, and we're talking today about the Kathismas, the the Kathismata, the uh, the Book of Psalms divided into twenty sections that we read um, at Vespers after the Great uh, Litany. Uh, we've talked a lot about this already, and today we're going to be talking about how does this section of the service or how does this practice of reading the Psalms actually affect our life outside of church? And one of the things I wanted to talk first of all with you, Father Jeffrey, is how, uh, is that most of us don't actually experience this section of Vespers. Like we don't, we, we, we get a few verses here sung at Saturday night Vespers with blessed is the man. And that's about it. We don't go to Vespers every day, right? And that's just, that's a normal part of being in North America, that we don't have monasteries or churches that usually run daily Vespers. So we don't actually experience the Book of Psalms this way. So it's, I'm finding it kind of hard to think up of questions on how this can actually affect your life outside of church if you actually don't actually experience this part of church to have it affect you. Yeah, I wonder whether it would be helpful to, to conceive of it, though, as you know, this way of experiencing scripture or this way of, you know, uh, approaching the scriptures and understanding that it can have, you know, a kind of transformative uh, impact on your life if you have this stance, really, because the, the cathisma, as we said, you know, literally is a way of describing a particular stance towards hearing the word of God, specifically the, the Psalms. But if we kind of extrapolated from that and outside of, okay, at Vespers, there is this appointed time of the cathisma. Uh, in Matins, there's the appointed time of, of several cathismata. Um, and, you know, there are times in the year we see it, we see it, you know, maybe in the liturgy presanctified gifts in a way that you sort of think, oh my goodness, look at all the Psalms we have to read at the beginning of the service. And without realizing actually that is the cathisma that is appointed from the autumn equinox all the way through Lent at that time at Vespers. So if you've been at Vespers every day in a place where you're reading, you know, that Psalter, you would have heard those Psalms, the, the, the Psalms of Ascent, you know, as they're called, going up to, to Jerusalem and uh, to to the feasts and, and and so forth, you would have heard that all you know all through. So, um, so we do, you know, get a little bit of it um, in church. But what, where we maybe see it more in the life of the ordinary Orthodox Christian is an attempt, hopefully, in some sort of devotional prayer life, you know, spiritual practice, to to use the Psalms, you know, in daily life. And maybe rather than thinking of them in the way we tend to, uh, you know, for the Psalms that, that we see in, in the services most often, Psalm 50, you know, a Psalm of Repentance, which is strategically placed in several, you know, places, or the, the Psalms that we have as the antiphons at, at liturgy or whatever. But if we sort of attacked the Psalms in our daily devotional life in the way that the Cathisma portion of the service 
asks us to, then maybe we can have some traction of, of that kind of method, you know, in our lives, even if we're not able to be in a church where, or at church on a daily basis where it's practiced in that way. Does that kind of make sense? So that, you know, we can incorporate the principle of this into our own kind of devotional and prayer life, you know, without necessarily moving next to a big church or a monastery where we we can attend and, and hear the Psalms done this way. I think we can do it for ourselves uh, this way. We could be, you know, we could even listen, you know, maybe there's a podcast somewhere where someone is uh, reading Psalms out um, on a daily basis that, you know, we could listen to that and actually go and sit and quietly do what, what this part of the service asks us to do. And if we do that, what will happen? How does that change our life? I think that's the, the point of what we're going to talk about Yeah, there about are now. very good resources. There is um, the Ancient Faith Psalter uh, that you can get as an audiobook that has the entire Psalter split up into these sections, and they have it uh, read straight as if, like the way I'm talking right now, just kind of read, but they also have it chanted. Um, where if so you can sort of however you prefer to listen you, you can do that um, yeah so there's lots of tools that you can you can plug into yeah and i think you know i'll stop myself there because I, that recommendation i think most people hear as oh that's great now when i'm driving i can do this or now when i'm you know walking down the street i can do this or i'll vacuum the house i'll put on my you know uh little music listener you know device of some kind uh, electronic gadget and and i'll listen to the songs i think that's missing the point i think what i'm asking is that people consider sitting being still you know having an icon and a candle lit and just stilling the environment around you sit and listen to that song read or chanted as you say uh, in a way that it would be if we were at you know the church and listening to uh, the cathisma because that's different you know it's not just background chatter it's not just i mean i'm not i'm not arguing that don't listen to psalms and podcasts when you're driving i, I can think of very few better things to be listening to but make space for this make space for this kind of moment which is a different moment it's a it's you're you're much more active in a way that I wouldn't want you to be when you're driving, uh, in terms of listening uh, to to words, but you're 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 aware that the word is coming to you as this double-edged sword in a way that will cut to your heart and allow that to happen. And you can only do that if you're really in that moment. I also think that it's valuable to find to find time to do that in social situations like waiting in the line at the bank or and and that might mean that you don't actually have the psalms there like it's it's not like we're monastics who have psalms memorized uh maybe we have one or two memorized but i still think that you can adopt that posture of of silence and in, instead of taking out that phone right in, instead of mindlessly scanning through facebook yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's a kind of in-between thing in a way that, and you mentioned in the last podcast, the Jesus prayer, and it can function in this way too. But there's a kind of uh, what I would call the arrow prayer um, or arrow kind of meditation involved in that. And and that's where if you're using the Jesus prayer, or it could even be a line from the Psalms, let's take the Lord is my shepherd, right? Taking that forward into the world and standing 
in line at the bank or standing, you know, or sitting on a bus or, or indeed driving or whatever. This can be tremendously transformative. It's that kind of allowing that to kind of go into the very inner parts, you know, of your being. But often it is just one line or one, one kind of short, short part to it. So it functions a little bit differently from that active listening stillness of kathisma where you want the whole of the word the narrative uh of the scriptures to kind of wash over you and you're looking for those kind of points of connection and everything having had that moment of connection that often would be the the verse that you then take forward i would think you know how marvelous would that be if that became our practice daily to be at least a few moments in Kathisma in sitting and actively expecting the word of God to penetrate our hearts, having had that moment of insight, you know, whatever the verse is, going out into the world and using that as the kind of prayer of our heart, uh, the, every beat of our heart, every step of our walk, every second on our watch that ticks by that we are reminded or called back again and again to that to that thought i mean that would be a way of extending the the insight and transform transformation of that moment that we experience into our lives and actually you know having it affect our conversation our interaction our our you know the way we treat the driver that cuts us off in traffic or or what have you um I think these are all different spiritual tools that, that we can use. But the one that I say often gets overlooked is this sitting down, being still, and looking at what God is doing in his scriptures and allowing that to kind of change us. When I first started to try and pray at all and and to try and be quiet like this in my younger years, I had a lot of trouble doing it. I, I thought I had to, you know, cut out, let's cut out half an hour of my day to just sit quietly in my room, right? And this is me as in my early 20s. And I found that extremely difficult. And I would try it once, give up in 10 minutes, and then feel like a failure and never do it again. And um, I had a priest at the time who basically said, how about you try... 30 seconds, or how about you try one minute, or how about you try two minutes and do that for like two months, right? And and I feel that sometimes we can, somebody might hear us talking about doing this and think that they have to go in and read a whole kathisma every day themselves, or maybe the ones that are assigned for a day, you might be reading three to four kathismas a, a day. That's that, that could be a lot of psalm reading for for somebody. So um, I guess some of my advice would be only bite off little bits at a time and build up from there. You can be saved with one verse. Let's put just put that out there, allow people to, to reflect on that. It, the, the point is not quantity. The point is not, you know, comprehensiveness. And, you know, of course, it's marvelous if you can read the Psalms so much that you end up memorizing them as a lot of early Christians had. And in fact, that was one of the hallmarks of being uh, a monk at the time was that you, you had the Psalter, you know, memorized. Uh, and I, I think that would utterly transform your life if, if you had that. But one verse of one psalm can do the same thing if we 
fully pay attention, if we fully live that. So, so absolutely, it's not about how much time or how many words are used. It's about the kind of orientation of our hearts that how receptive we are to, to, to hearing that. Um, you know, and by the way, this extends, you know, even beyond, you know, the scriptures. It's not about how many theology books you have in your library or on, on your bookshelf. Uh, it's, you know, if you can just <laughs> find one word in one that, is the thing that brings you into relationship with God and that faithfulness to his purposes that, uh, that we all desire, then, you know, you, you have attained everything. So one of the other things that I think developing this, um, posture of prayer, this posture of like active listening, uh, can do if you really foster it is that it helps your relationships and it helps you be able to when you're in a conversation that becomes maybe a bit more serious or maybe is not even that serious that you now have the stamina and the skills to be able to be focused on what the other person is actually saying and and to enter into that kind of dialogue and and I think that that is a skill that's being lost today as well I think you're right I I mean it we spoke in the last uh, episode about the, uh, you know, where culture has, you know, filled our lives with all manner of activity. And we say words, but actually they're not real words often, uh, not in this sense. And as a consequence, we've missed the word of God, but we've also the, missed the word of others, you know, uh, how quickly we jump to, you know, just trying to impose our own kind of view on, on, on everything rather than actually being able to listen. So if we can listen to God in the way that the Kathisma portion of the service of Vespers and others asks us to do, we will become far better human beings and able to, to relate to others and, and truly hear, hear them. And, be, and if we're ever to share the gospel, we need to hear, first of all, where people are at. And, um, and that sort of stance of being able to kind of allow people's circumstances and situations and, and everything to, 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 uh, penetrate into our own hearts and minds is, is part about making that connection. You know, the, the Psalter itself has every thing that human beings have ever thought of and everything that human beings have ever, ever experienced. Uh, you know, St. Athanasius says it's a kind of a mirror to the kind of human condition. Um, so if you want to know more, not only about God, because that's ultimately where this is leading, you know, and always gets there somehow in the end, but to know more about the world, uh, the very same world that, as I said, we set out at the beginning of Vespers is this kind of backdrop of of creation that we we belong to this then we've also kind of gathered everything in that great litany of peace well now in a way what the kathisma is doing is holding up a mirror to the human condition not only externally but deep within you know every human feeling and state of mind and soul is reflected there and we're never going to meet anybody in this world who isn't already somehow in the words of the psalm. So, so yeah, it, it, it's about becoming better listeners, but also knowing what it is we're ever going to be listening to, because it'll all be there already in, in what we've heard carefully, meditatively, spiritually, prayerfully uh, in that part of the service. The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public aspect of our overall project. 
For those interested, we actively post new episodes on our private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate, discuss, and disagree about open and sometimes controversial theological questions. To get access to these episodes and to join our online community, you can become a patron of the show. We can only continue this work through the generous financial support of our listeners. To become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom and select which tier of support you wish. Again, that's patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. And now back to the show. You anticipated my next uh, my next question and comment, which is that the Psalms, they, they really offer us they offer us a way of dealing with our any experience we might we might be going through that as you as you said someone has gone through this someone has experienced these feelings and not only that somebody has a, a we have a full tradition of poetry about all of this stuff and it would almost be a, a crime to not familiarize ourselves with with this poetry and even if, if even if you don't believe in the transcendence of anything there's value to poetry that has lasted 3000 years of of um human civilization there's a reason why these are are um there's a reason why these are the 150 poems that have stood the test of time Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's true in a very deep way of our culture, how many times, you know, writers and artists and others have returned again and again to to these poems because they do reflect every aspect of the human condition. And there's become this interesting kind of tradition in the Orthodox Church where you can even find organized lists of of the Psalter by theme, you know. So are you feeling sad? Are you feeling betrayed? Are you feeling, you know, angry? Are you feeling really happy and whatever? So here's a psalm for you in each of those categories or, or whatever. And that can be done in a kind of trite way, because I think they're a lot more complex and nuanced than than maybe that kind of organization lends itself to. But I mentioned a moment ago St. Athanasius and he was kind of one of the ones who set this up but his is a lot more interesting and and complex than uh those kind of standard lists might be but he wrote a a letter to uh somebody named marcellinus um on the interpretation of the psalms and he doesn't i mean he talks about that kind of thing you know about okay, if you're feeling sick here are some things you might want to read or if you're feeling you know uh betrayed you know here's some others but but his the way he actually describes it in the whole letter is is so profound about how it's the, the psalter you know uh, is this mirror to the human condition he also talks about how in the entirety of the narrative of scriptures is contained in the Psalms, you know, from creation through fall, through redemption, through ultimate, you know, God ruling heaven and earth joined together, you know, for all time, everything is reflected there. You'd, you'd, if you had one book of the scriptures to retain, it would be the Psalms. And he says that the, the words that are spoken here, we feel, you know, uh, uh, he says, unlike, say, you're reading, you know, the Torah or whatever, the Pentateuch, uh, to hear about, you know, the story of redemption uh, of Israel, it feels like it's somebody else's words. 
Because as you get to the way that story is told in the Psalms, it becomes our words. You know, and that's fascinating. And, and that's just, that's been, you know, the kind of um, experience, I think, of, of the church, you know, th- through the ages when, you know, it's it's not just saying, okay, we're like the people of Israel brought out of the slavery of Egypt, you know, through the waters of baptism of the Red Sea, through the struggle of asceticism of the desert into the promised land. I mean, you could tell that story a thousand ways, but then to have it prayed the way it's prayed in the Psalms. We are joined to that story in a way that, you know, that, that the, the memory telling of that, you know, becomes so much more uh, profound and deep within us by, by the fact that it's told in, in the Psalms. So it's, it's this compressed set of texts that, that are, you know, just the most beautiful expression of everything we've ever experienced, everything God's done for us and everything he's promised, you know, for us. It's no accident that when you get to the, the gospels that, you know, one of the places you find most kind of picked up on by the evangelists in terms of how Christ fulfills the promises of, of God to Israel is, is by quoting the Psalms and our Lord himself, you know, on the cross, what does he do? He does precisely, you know, that thing in a way that, you know, it's kind of an enigma to people, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And well, why is he despairing as he, you know, because thinks God has given up on him? No, he's quoting the first verse of a psalm that go on and read the rest of it and you'll know what, where that ends. It, it ends in triumph, in deliverance unexpectedly, you know, from the throes of death and suffering into, you know, the, the, the glories of what God has promised. So in every case, it's, it, it reflects the totality of, of who we are and what God intends for us, but in this kind of concentrated, you know, way that that our our culture and and human beings have made, you know, so much use of. But if you pay most attention to it, you will be led to God. You will be led in t- to live according to, you know, His His promises and according to His purposes for us. I went through some troubles in my early priesthood. And uh, Father Philip was very, uh, Father Philip Erickson in Calgary was very helpful. And one of the things he actually did was send me a list of Psalms to read every day. And, and that was part of his sort of um, therapy or, or his guidance, right? And to deal with the situation. And yeah, I think, I don't think you can underestimate the value of, of these writings and, and incorporating them in our life. Would you, could we maybe spend not too much time, but just some practical guidance maybe on like translations or maybe how, how many Psalms to read if you're at home or, or things like that? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I think in terms of the, the how many, um, I would just reiterate the point about there are different ways, you know, of reading and experiencing, you know, these, we, we've, talked before about, you know, we can sing parts of the Psalms uh, and we often do. I mean, we, we experience a lot of the Psalms in liturgies and we'll be talking about this in later podcasts, I'm sure, and things called like prokimena and things like that, which are just like one or two verses, totally taken out of context, you know, but they, they, they express a particular thing. So there's the sense in which, yeah, there's, there's a Psalm verse for that, you know, no matter what part of, of life or, or life experience you're in, there's something that can, can express that. And that often is, you know, how artists pick up on this and, you know, and others and to, to illustrate straight in just one verse. Um, but, and, and I've said before, you know, we can take a verse into our lives and meditate, you know, on that. There's another sense in which 
a whole psalm just on its own, you know, not kind of linked with a whole lot of others in a series or anything like that, um, or even just randomly, you know, kind of coming across through continuous reading, but there's a psalm that can express a particular uh, mode of being or whatever. And, you know, kind of famously Psalm 50 or 51 in the Hebrew, you know, is that, you know, it's the psalm, I mean, it has a very particular narrative context. Uh, it's said to be the psalm of David uh, in, of his repentance when he was confronted, you know, uh, about his adultery and murder, essentially. And uh, it is the most profound expression of repentance. And we pick that up at different times in liturgy, but, and I would certainly commend that, you know, to be on the heart, on the lips and on the heart of every Orthodox Christian almost on a daily basis. Cause, you know, you could pray, you know, 50 prayer, composed prayers of, of, of repentance. But you could pray this psalm and it does, you know, what all of that, you know, does just in this kind of compressed way. So that's a very specific way to do it. But I do think let's leave room for this you know, almost serendipitous way that the psalms, the narratives of scriptures can, can work with us, where you just pick up either in just in a continue, continuous way, you know, and maybe you have time for five minutes a day and you go and find one of those podcasts where the Psalter is being read. And, you know, yesterday it was Psalms 52 and 53 and today it's 54 or whatever. And that's all you have time for. Let somebody read it to you and you pay attention and maybe you get through it all. Maybe you get through part of it and you're, you're overwhelmed with with, with with your response to it and you want to kind of stop there but allow that experience of the psalms you know to come because you don't always know where you're at right uh the idea of here's a list of you know if you're happy do this if you're sad do that you know uh, assumes you know what you are in the first place right and actually these are diagnostic <laughs> as much as they are you know, therapeutic. And so uh, to, to just, as I say, it could be serendipitous, but there could be a moment or a verse or a word in one of the Psalms that is thrown at you that day that allows you to kind of make sense of something in your life that you hadn't thought of. It, it to use that metaphor we had before, unpacks the baggage, you know, that you have, and you can now look at that in, in a new way. So allow for that, you know, too, um, in your life. So, you know, there's, it's not just that there's one way of reading the Psalms and that that should suffice, but that at different times and moments in our life, we have these different kind of tool sets that, I'm not making them up, these are precisely the, the, the ways that the liturgy has deployed the Psalms for us, right? And if we pay attention to, you know, the way that that has carefully been integrated into the liturgy in these different ways, some of them very deliberate and thematic, some of them just, this is where we're at, this we left off last time and now we're continuing allow all of those kinds of movements or actions of, of the Psalter to, to kind of take place in, in your life. And, and I think we will benefit from, from that kind of uh, variety and uh, of practice and, and method. Uh, to take us to the end, could we talk a little bit about what kinds of translations to use or maybe theories of how to use the translations? Like, okay, so for example, this is what I mean. Um, yeah. Translation? I was going to say, you know, what do you mean? Do our listeners not all know Hebrew? Hebrew and Greek. You need to know, in, and Greek. memorize yes, in both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's very valuable, at least it has been for me, to use one translation in the sense of memorizing or, or being able to swim in it more. Because if you're stumbling over the words, it can take you out of it. Whereas if you know the words, you can swim in it. But at the same time, English translations aren't 
Perfect. They they are a good metaphor that I've heard, which I think is brilliant, is English translations of the Bible in general are like different clubs in your golf caddy, right? And depending on the situation, you need to use a different <laughs> a different club. Um, and that if you rely just on a driver to do all your putting, it's it's you know, it it's not ideal. And I've I've heard people recommend maybe using a different translation for a season. Whether that be for like three months, you're going to use the New King James, and then you're going to use the New Revised Standard version for another three, and then and you can sort of flow between to get more of a picture. I was wondering what your take would be on, on this. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned before that early Christians would have made a practice of memorizing the Psalter. Of course, people just generally memorized texts in ways that we can't or don't anymore. But certainly, it is a tremendous stumbling block for English speakers that we have in even the most familiar of texts exist in our minds in all these different kind of iterations and, and whatever. I, I always get a kick out of the fact that, um, uh, you know, in churches that are using, you know, a more vernacular, uh, second person, uh, singular pronoun saying you to God rather than, than thou, um, will, go back to the older form when it gets to the Lord's prayer. Um, That's what we do at our our, uh, uh, church. Yeah. It it makes no sense. There, there are, there are perfectly good translations of the Lord's prayer in, in the kind of completely contemporary English. So, but obviously the reason for that is you're dealing with a population that has completely memorized it in one form and it would be, you know, too much going against the grain. So, uh, I agree. I think there's some amount of consistency to allow certainly the, you know, I'm not going to say key Psalms because they're all key, but I mean, I, I mentioned earlier about Psalm 50 or 51. I mean, that really, I, if you haven't already done this, but choose a translation and get that Psalm memorized, you know, in one way or, or another. I mean, every Orthodox uh, deacon, at least at that level, has to have done that because you have to say that psalm uh, while you're sensing, you know, right before the great entrance uh, you're during divine liturgy. So that, that's a given at the kind of clerical ordination level. But uh, it is it is absolutely difficult because already swimming in your brain will be at least 10 different versions if you've ever been to church. So, uh, but if you can settle on a favorite translation for those purposes, I really recommend it. Because the more you don't stumble over, you know, when you call up those kind of psalms that are, are really, you know, at the at the heart of, of what you're going to want to express through your prayer life every day, you know, the, without having to kind of fumble around for, for different words. It's amazing how like a slightly different translation can completely throw off your memorization too. Of yeah, something. yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard people stumble over the Lord's Prayer if they know, you know, a different version. And, and that's, that is a shame. But you're right. The, the, every translation has its merits and, and has its downsides. And I would say that maybe one of the ways to think about it um, would be that, you know, if, if in particular ways you're using, you know, translation, you know, maybe if you're involved at all in, in church and in singing and preparing texts for, for the liturgy and everything, having, a, you know, a dependable, consistent translation for that is, 
everything, right? But it may be that in your private, you know, prayers at home, you take advantage of the opportunity. You're not having to negotiate with anybody else that you choose, you know, something else. Maybe something that's even a little bit closer, not to a paraphrase as such, but something that has, a, you know, that speaks to you uh, in, a, in a kind of fresh uh, and new way. There are some really, really interesting translations um, that way that kind of make things, that make that whole human condition mirroring of the Psalms appear all the, the mm-hmm. more profound, you know, because they, they just, you know, it's not couched in, in kind of language that, that is kind of... Uh, uh, at a distance removed, you know, from, from your ordinary life. So, so I would say, you know, maybe there's a study set of Psalms and a translation used for that for a season, but, but, but in other ways, you might kind of settle on, you know, kind of a, a fairly, um, you know, standard practice. And it might be, you know, you find it easiest to use whatever your, your own parish is using at home, because that way you're hearing in different contexts. Of course, you've recommended earlier, you know, the, somebody reading you or chanting the Psalms from, from ancient faith or whatever else. I mean, they're going to be making a choice, you know, too. So, um, Maybe what you want to do, if you find a translation nobody else has read to you, go and read it into a recorder of some kind. And then the person who's reading to you while you're sitting and being meditative and, and, and focused in that actively is your own voice, if that's not too distracting. Or get somebody who, who can, can read well and to get that, ask them to read your favorite translation for you. But, but yeah, I mean, there's no easy or perfect answer here apart from learn the original languages, I suppose. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Enacting the Kingdom. For bonus episodes and content, or if you'd simply like to see this show continue, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. See you next time.